Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't disagree that asking questions of your lawyer to get advice is standard, you know, protocol. Okay. What, what isn't standard protocol is if you're asking him those questions to develop a strategy where you're going to deceive the government. And that appear, that's the way this is charged. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. But there's no Nick Savary. I think that's a lot of people's dreams. No, I'm kidding. Uh, my co-host, Nick Savary, is out there setting sail. He's on a fantastic cruise with his wife and his daughters. Uh, he's out there gambling. Probably took the Miami Heat in Game 5, and that's why that series is over now. So he'll be coming back. Uh, a little bit less uh, uh, money in his wallet. But we look forward to my co-host uh, joining me. In the next episode, but for this episode, uh, I mentioned to everybody that was listening to the program in the last episode that we would be having a criminal defense attorney. So in just a bit, my conversation with Lexi Rigdon, she's a criminal defense and family law attorney over at Rigdon Lieberman LLC, and she's also a contributor across multiple outlets. You've seen her probably on Fox News, on CNN, on NBC News, on CBS News, on Court TV. If you watch Court TV, you'll always catch Lexi breaking down any legal you know stories making headlines she's fantastic she helps me break down a lot of the trump indictment arrest the court proceedings that happened the other day here in miami where i happen to live and it, it you know i've never done one of these before where i start off the show and it's just me and nick is not here we normally do our first segment and we bounce some ideas off of each other um but i wanted to come on before I tossed to that interview because what a crazy week it has been. 
in my opinion, and I had been getting contacted about, you know, going on other outlets to talk about the PGA Tour Live Golf merger. And now there's more news that's coming out about that with respect to the DOJ and a Senate subcommittee that may investigate that whole merger. That was the big news story. Then all of a sudden, as last week, Nick and I were recording, the former president, uh, Donald Trump, posted on his true social platform that, hey, I'm being indicted on Tuesday. And now Tuesday comes and goes and the former president flies in to Miami airport. He goes into the courthouse. There's not much released in terms of video footage, but there's renderings of him and his co-defendant, Walt Nada, uh, both in the courthouse there with their attorneys. And he was arraigned uh, on the 37 counts. Uh, and uh, of course, everybody knows now the charges. If you don't know the charges, he pled not guilty. And they include in unlawfully retaining government secrets and conspiring to obstruct justice. And obviously, if you didn't hear uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel in this case, and his press conference, about I think about a week ago or so, where he talks about all of the charges that are involved here for the former president after the, you know, the indictment had been unsealed. Um, it, it's weird because in my conversation with Lexi coming up right now, her and I really look at this from the court proceeding law aspect of this. And that's where I think a lot of people need to start living. Okay. Whether or not you believe the FBI and DOJ are working for current President Biden and are out to get former President Trump, that's a belief you can have. I'm not stopping you from having that belief. It's not true because it's not rooted in fact, at least according to the FBI and DOJ and what they have on the mess head, on their masthead there and, and how they say that they are impartial you know, defenders of the rule of law, right? So I have to take them at their word because that's the mission statement of the agency. I'm not saying that you can't trust agencies. I'm just saying those are the mission statements of these agents. We've had former ones on from DOJ, from FBI, and they'll tell you when you swipe that badge and you come into that building, you're, you're at work and the political opinions go out the door. Now, you can believe whether or not that can be separated from an individual, but I got to take those folks at face value. And then Lexi kind of mentions this that you're going to hear in the interview in just a bit, and I'll, I'll bring it here onto this first segment because it is true the takes across outlets have been so wild that I thought Nikki Haley kind of summed it up best where it was like both things can be true. I could trust, I could not trust, excuse me, the three letter agencies to a certain extent. And then the former president could have also committed some really bad things. And this was, she had said this obviously after the indictment had been unsealed. And I kind of live in that lane, right? Like, I get it if you don't trust the government. I get it. I get it. I don't live there, but I get it. But also the indictment and the federal charges and everything that's come out now about this case is going to be analyzed up the wazoo. We get into uh, Lexi and I about jury selection, Judge Cannon. There's so much surrounding this case, but it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple of months how it unfolds will give you more perspective and analysis as it continues. So without further ado, I'm going to take a quick break here. And when we come back on the other side, Lexi Rigdon is going to join me to help break down everything that happened over the last seven to 10 days with former President Trump and the indictment here in the federal courthouse in Miami, Florida. Lexi, after the break. 
This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Quick break from our pod to tell you about a new pod at Fresh Roasted Coffee, Envy Pods. So if you go to freshroastedcoffee.com, my partner's shaking his head. That's a good transition. What are you, are you kidding me? It was good. No, I shook my head. I was like, that's brilliant. Thank you. Because <laughs> I, I saw this picture earlier. I was like, I saw, I saw what you're doing. That's right. It is a fantastic transition, Nick, if I do say so myself. Listen, the new Envy Pods over at our partners at Fresh Roasted Coffee. These pods are environmentally safe. They are compostable. And let me tell you something. When you open these individually wrapped pods, Nick, they smell absolutely delicious. You can check out these new pods from our sponsors over at freshroastedcoffee.com and enter in the promo code, new promo code, can we please get 20, all one word, and the number 20, can we please get 20 for 20% off your purchase. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, I am so excited to have her on the program because you all know the tagline to this show. We talk to people who know what they're talking about. I have no idea about the legalities that former President Trump is facing right now. But somebody that's going to help me break it down is Lexi Rigdon. She's a criminal defense and family law attorney over at Rigdon Lieberman LLC. You can see her across Court TV, CBS News, CNN, Fox. Lexi, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast with me. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Lexi, I I was mentioning it before to you off air. I'll bring it over here. You know, I I truly want to get into some of the specifics that I feel are not being covered across the networks right now with respect to the indictment and now arrest, uh, obviously, uh, a former President Trump. We saw all the theatrics Mm -hmm. that happened this past week. There were so many moving parts. We're going to get into a bunch of it. But just for your from your perspective, your legal perspective, but also as a viewer of television, you were telling me about your mom watching all the news and people hitting you up to ask news. What were some of the things that uh, kind of stood out to you as all of this played out, as everything started to unfold over the last couple of weeks and the former president announcing that he would be indicted on Tuesday. Now you see the charges. Like, What were some early things that just kind of stood out to you? 
Well, what's interesting is that because it's President Trump and he courts the media, and I don't I don't say that in a positive or negative way. That is a fact. He broke the news, which he's the one that came out and said, I'm being indicted. So that was kind of the start of a of a media blitz. And what I noticed about the coverage, because I obviously watched a lot of it, it's it's an interesting topic. It's an unprecedented topic. So I watched a lot of the coverage. And what struck me is how very few people had sort of an objective centrist view on it. It was either, it was very polarizing and maybe that was the the spectrum of channels that I was watching also, but it was either, this is politically motivated, it's a hit job, what about this, what about that? Or he he's he's the worst ever and he, he th- this is a, dis- it's a national disgrace and how could this possibly be? And he's he's like the most horrible person. This is the most serious thing. He could have given away our precious government secrets. And I'm sort of standing a little bit in the middle where some people I've seen been where I'm thinking there is a big part of me that does believe that the timing of it and the fact that it's being done is politically motivated in some way. But I still think that the indictment is pretty strong against him too. I mean, I was really surprised by some of the stuff that I saw in there. So I'm kind of standing in the middle. I mean, I can I can sort of see both sides, but I don't actually think they're mutually exclusive. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with that perspective, because anytime you arrest a former president of the United States, it's going to be seen as politically motivating. You can't. There's no way right. around there's that. There's no He's, way to escape that. There's no way around that. Exactly. So I'm kind of with you. Like the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Right. And I want to get into a little bit of. The charges that, you know, he was arraigned on uh, and, you know, 37 federal charges, unlawful retaining of government secrets, conspiring to uh, obstruct justice. You know, we've had former FBI, CIA folks that have had a classification in this country on this program telling me about the documents case was always about not how many he had, what was in it. So let's talk a little bit about what is in it and what Jack Smith is actually charging the former president with. Can you take our audience a little bit inside? What are some of the legal challenges and hurdles that the former president is going to face mounting a defense here against these charges? Well, there are seven, there are, there are 37 counts and seven, seven separate charges. And they all basically center around having documents that he shouldn't have had. 31 of the counts are basically having documents he shouldn't have had that pertain to the national defense. And Some of them are obviously they're not part of the indictment because they are classified, which is part of the problem. But they they talk about our defense capabilities, battle plans in in case things happen. So they're really sensitive documents. And then the rest of the counts, one of the one of the counts is co-conspiracy with Walt Nauta, who's his valet, who is he's obviously in very close contact with all the time, which you can tell from the indictment because there are text messages between Walt and family members and everything like that. And then basically obstructing justice, lying to investigators, telling his attorney the allegation, of course, and this is all alleged, innocent until proven guilty. We always have to put that out there. But the allegation is that he wanted his attorney to not turn over everything or, quote unquote, pluck out certain things, which apparently he made like a plucking motion trying to signal to his attorney that he didn't want to give everything over. And I mean, if I it wouldn't matter I've had clients ask me to do unethical things, you know, oh, do I not to that degree, of course, but, you know, do I have to disclose this on this affidavit? Well, yes, you do, because I'm not imputing my ethics for anybody. It's not worth my bar license, my livelihood. I'm not doing it. And I wouldn't have done it for Donald Trump either. So 
the attorney, I, I think in the indictment said, no, we, we have to turn everything over. And ultimately those conversations are usually privileged, but it was pierced. The privilege was pierced on the crime fraud exception, where there's an exception to the attorney client privilege rule that you can actually get information and that's not privileged if if the communication is in furtherance of some type of fraud or crime. So that's how they, that was a big issue. It was litigated, um, but that's how they got that information from him, which is just, it's just really, it's not good. It's really bad. Well, you know, and, and the other thing is, is like back to your original point, as you're watching this unfold and now you're getting opinions from senators, uh, former vice president Pence even said something to the effect of like, the charges are not good. They're definitely not good. And so I want to put your criminal defense attorney hat on. Now Donald Trump has enlisted you, uh, Lexi, to defend him here in, in Miami in these fe in the federal courthouse here in these charges that he's facing. How do you how do you build up a defense around now that you're learning a little bit more particulars of the case? Obviously, you're not on the case itself, so you're not privy to yes. discovery. But what are some of the things that you would try to mount defense wise for the former president? Well, first, I would want to know his side of the story because he keeps saying that it's inaccurate. So I would want to know I would want to know what exactly in the indictment is inaccurate. I'd also want to know the old phrase, what what he knew and when he knew it. You know, I would want to know what did he know about the boxes? How much I mean, the indictment has a lot of detail. So it seems as though he knew that there were classified documents that he shouldn't have in his possession. But I would obviously want to get his side of the story because he is has gone on record and basically said there are things in this indictment that aren't true. So I would want to know that. I'd also want to know about biases, lack of credibility of the witnesses who if this goes to trial, are going to be testifying against him because impeachment is is important in any trial and credibility and bias is important in any trial. And people saying one thing and doing another and being able to call them on it, that's one of the most exciting things in a trial. Those that those are like the moments you live for as a lawyer. So all of those things I would want to know. And the other thing he's going to have to determine and also Walt Nod is going to have to determine is their co-defendants here. So they're not supposed to be talking to each other. That's that's a whole other issue that's going to have to be resolved. But like about the case anyway. But what do they do? Do they do they cooperate? Does one cooperate? Does one not? I mean, I could totally see Walt Nada having an incentive to cooperate, you know, because he doesn't have the he doesn't have the the coffers and hundreds of millions of dollars that Trump reportedly has to to fight this. And he's just he's just a guy that was employed by him. So he might he might flip. I mean, you just never know. So I'd want to know all of those things. And then if I were defending him, his best strategy and a, and a good strategy for any defendant really is to try to kick the can down the road. That's the conventional wisdom. That's why so many people waive their right to a speedy trial, because the farther it goes out, witnesses die, they forget, they become unavailable. And then the really funny scenario, which I frankly don't see happening, but that people keep saying is, what if he actually does get reelected and then he's in charge of the DOJ? And then he drops this or he pardons himself if he's already convicted. So there are there there are a million reasons that he would want to delay this out because it's better to run for president and say that he's being basically picked on and bullied. And this is all politicized. That's easier to say when the indictment and the charges are still pending, as opposed to I was convicted by a jury of my peers. 
I want to get into, you know, a lot of people, especially on the outlets, uh, news networks uh, across are all focusing in on Judge Eileen Cannon and the ruling that she gave a while back and how she's going to be presiding over this. I don't want to focus on that necessarily because I want to focus on jury selection and my favorite two words in in the legal uh, dictionary, which is voir dire. Uh, the, the process of interviewing jurors, I told you before, I could potentially be jury duty selected here living in the state right. of Florida for this case. Um, so I'm curious because a lot of podcasts uh, and news outlets have kind of kind of glossed over this part of it, which is Donald Trump uh, and, and when he ran against Hillary Clinton in 2016, when he ran against Joe Biden in 2020, he had over 40 percent. Uh, population voting for him here in Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties, right? These are the three most populous counties down in Florida. So people down here know the former president. It's going to be incredibly hard to get 11, 12 jurors, 13, however many alternates it is, that don't know who the former president of the United States is. Can you take our audience a little bit into this jury selection process and why I feel like, or maybe I'm wrong, Am I wrong that no one's really talking about how hard this is going to be to get jurors that he may not even get convicted off of any of this because you get one person that has voted for the former president and it'll probably, you know, get thrown out. And there's not it's okay if the jurors know who he is, because you're not going to find somebody that doesn't know who he is around the world. So it's okay if they know who he is. Where the rubber meets the road is whether they can be impartial despite what they know. Um, so that's really going to be the issue. That's going to be the first issue in impaneling the jury. And then the second issue is going to be that jury nullification is a real thing. I mean, we saw in the OJ case. I mean, he he was as guilty as the day is long. And the jury, for a lot of a lot of reasons that have been explored in many documentaries and books, decided to acquit him. So I'm not saying necessarily that this would be you'd find 12 people who just decide to acquit Donald Trump if he is tried and it gets to that point. But that's a real thing is finding a, a jury members who are are actually actually able to be impartial. They might pass the, the initial test and say, yes, I'm impartial. I, I, of course, have heard of Donald Trump and I'm able to be impartial. But when they get in that room, is everybody going to be able to really put their feelings aside and unanimously vote? on whether he's guilty or not guilty. That's gonna be a big challenge because people ve feel very strongly about him. And there might be also some stealth jurors who wanna be on the jury. So they answer everything right, only to get back there and try to influence. I'll tell you what, I do not want to be selected. Please, Miami-Dade, do not select me for we this. You can play this. Yes. You can play this for the judge. Yes. I don't think they'll select you. I will. I, I, will. Too much. I will. See, that's why we had an attorney on, because <laughs> I did not know that I could play that for them. Thank you so Have much. Call Lex. me. Put it on your phone and be like, I can't be impartial. Thank I am you. not your guy. Thank you. I truly appreciate that. All right. I want to get into, speaking of impartial or not impartial, I've been noticing a lot of uh, Trump's defense team across multiple states, because remember, the former president obviously was charged in New York by the uh, attorney general there. Um, there's some stuff happening in Georgia, potentially whatever comes out with that. But I've been seeing uh, Aline Haba, I believe is her name, uh, Alina, excuse me, Haba uh, yes. and, and other other Trump lawyers across the outlets. And I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective right now, because I asked you about mounting a defense for the former president. But 
what what would you implore in terms of a strategy of getting the message out there? Because he seems to run to social media or Sean Hannity, who's a friend of his who hosts, you know, a 9 p.m. show with three million people watching. And he runs there immediately to tell his message. But that could be used against them in the court of law. So what do you make of the strategy right now of the attorneys and the former president running to social media or television outlets to try to get ahead of this? Is it good? Is it bad? What do you make of it? That's an interesting question. I think that you can't separate the fact that he's running for president from what he's doing. Any normal, a normal defendant that no one's ever heard of is not going to talk about their case because nobody knows about their case and nobody cares about their case. And then you have high profile people who might be getting in trouble, like an Alec Baldwin type. I mean, he had, he spoke out a lot and in some ways to his detriment, because he came off as um, kind of obnoxious as he often does in some of his interviews. Um, But with Donald Trump, he almost has to come out and say something. He almost doesn't have a choice to stay silent because there's so much media coverage and there is so, so much of, so much, so many people saying on the left and the right. I mean, there are some people on the right saying that what he did was was wrong and it's really bad. But people are coming out and saying that this is really serious. It's not a political hit job. This is different than the other cases, you know, that occurred with other high profile people. Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Mike Pence himself also had an issue with that. And you know, you could choose to stay silent as a high profile defendant if you didn't have the skin in the game of running for president. So I don't think he has a choice. He almost he almost has to go out there. He's got to go out there and keep pounding the message into the general public's head that despite what everybody's saying, I didn't do anything wrong. And and he has a whole team of lawyers who've been doing that for years now for him. I mean, he has and a, a lot of I mean, every big public figure has their talking heads that go out there and try to create good press for them and get their narrative out. So I don't blame him for doing it. And I think it's probably a, a large function of the fact that he's running for president, so he almost has to. But then again, the pretrial publicity of this case is already out of control. And that in and of itself is an issue, which brings up an important question that I had, which was, in these cases, a lot of times the court will say the pretrial publicity could possibly taint the trial. So we're going to gag people on certain topics. The uh, If there's a gag order in this case, it's going to be really interesting because how do you gag someone who is running for president and is going to have to talk about this because the voters have a right to know even before a trial, like as a voter, you want to know what his side of the story is. You don't want him to be silent. You want him to say, this is true. This is false or whatever his, whatever his take on it is. So there are a lot of nuances with him speaking, but I think he really has no choice, but to put it out there and otherwise you know, as Daniel Penny's lawyer said, which I know we're also going to cover, he had come out and said in in um, as to a question as to why Daniel Penny was speaking out now, he said, if this goes on too long where he doesn't speak out, it's going to just become the narrative and there's not going to be any way to shake it. Lexi, you know, I wanted to ask you before we do move into that Daniel Penny and Jordan Neely trial. Um I mentioned her before about Judge Eileen Cannon and obviously the ruling that she gave back a few months ago after the FBI uh, did the search of Mar-a-Lago. And then obviously it got struck down by the appeals court and they kind of chastised her. But I'm curious from your perspective right now. And and again, this speaks to the broader if you were defending the former president type of question. But, you know, you have a judge that has previously ruled 
for your client in a different case. Um, how do you go about kind of navigating that and, and having that type of judge on the bench? I'm not saying that she's being you know, improper or whatnot, mm-hmm. but take us through a criminal defense attorney's mind because there has to be, in the NBA, whenever you see a referee refereeing your game that you know, oh no, I'm, I'm not gonna get any calls tonight because of this guy. It's gotta yeah. be that same way in the legal community. I would love to hear it though from, from a criminal defense attorney. Like, so what do you make of Judge Cannon presiding over this case? Well, usually the judges, at least where I practice in New Jersey, they're they're just basically assigned to they're assigned to a certain docket. And and a lot of it is basically, you know, even as as non-formulaic and simplistic as cases where the last name of the defendant is L through Z. And that's who the judge has. So they didn't choose her. She was just she's on the bench and she's she's in that division and that's where she's sitting. And if I'm Donald Trump, I want her as my judge. I mean, I have a lot of cases where I'll tell a client, this is a good judge for this case, or this is not a good judge for this case. I have a client who she has a bench warrant. She needs to turn herself in. And I'm hoping that when she does, I get a certain judge because I know that he generally is lenient and some judges aren't some, some judges will give, you know, for example, someone doesn't show up to court. They don't have an excuse. Some judges, they're not going to be lenient on that person. They're going to want to lock them up. Another judge might take pity on them and say, okay, fine, you know, you can have another chance. So that's just normal lawyering. So it doesn't matter if it's her or anybody else. The the people who are representing both the state or the government and Donald Trump who are local, they they know the players. They know who these people are. And so if I'm Donald Trump's team, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to let the government make any type of motion that they think is appropriate, including recusal. And that's not going to be taken kindly by the judge. Judges hardly ever recuse themselves because by recusing them, by 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 granting a recusal motion, the judge is going to have to admit, yeah, you're right, I can't be impartial. Yeah, you're right, I am biased. Judges are just not, they're just not going to do that. And she would have, she, I mean, she's now, especially, she's high profile in a sense because she's a federal court judge, but she's even more high profile now. Her name is in the news. I can't imagine her saying, you know what? you know what, federal government, you're right, I can't be impartial because he appointed me and I I made a, you know, I made a good ruling for him. So I just don't think it's going to happen. Whether she's on the case, ultimately, I don't know. It's really important for the trial. Um, I'm sorry, not for the trial. It's not, it's important for the motions because she's deciding motion. But when it comes to the trial, she's not the trier of, of fact. That's the jury. So it's different. Like I practice obviously criminal defense and also family law and family law, they're bench trials. And so the judge is the trier of fact and the trier of law. So the decision is in one person's hands in that instance. But in this scenario, the decision is really in the hands of the jury, although obviously pre-trial rulings and rulings during the trial certainly make a difference. Lexi, I could talk to you about the legal system and all these cases, but before I let you go, we were alluding to it before about there's been so many high profile cases over the past six, seven months. And I'm a New York City kid, a subway rider, a bunch of different times throughout my life traveling into the city to work. You were mentioning about the Daniel Penny and Jordan Neely case. I've seen you on TV kind of talking about it. Can you kind of update our audience as to where it is in the legal process? Has there been a trial set? Tell us a little bit more about this trial. So he was indicted and he the, the uh, grand jury voted to return the indictment yesterday. So he was so the way it works is at least in New York he was charged he 
came to court for an arraignment. He was charged. And then they have, they, meaning the district attorney, have six months to indict him. If they don't indict him in six months, the charges get dismissed. They indicted him as of yesterday, which was like only a few weeks after he was charged. So now the case is on on track in the future to go to a trial. The charges are not, if the grand jury had not voted to indict him, then the charges would have been dismissed and it would have been over for him and he could just go on and live his life. But now that they voted to indict him, eventually there will be a trial unless the case resolves in some other way. And we've seen cases similar. There was that that bodega stabbing where a bodega owner was attacked. He fought back and the same DA, Alvin Bragg, charged him with murder. And there was a lot of public outcry and support for him. And those charges were dropped. So anything can happen in these cases. I'm not sure that that's going to be the result in this one, but that's kind of where we are. So his next court date is July 17th. I don't know if that will be moved up. I certainly don't have that type of insider knowledge. But like I said with Donald Trump, he's probably going to want to delay this process as long as he can. He's facing significant penalties. He's facing 15 years. And this is this is really a heartbreaking situation for everybody involved. You can catch Lexi across any television outlet where they're looking for legal expertise. I'm telling you, she's been everywhere. Court TV, CBS News, CNN, MSNBC. She's a fantastic criminal defense and not family MSNBC law attorney. Yet. Oh, not MSNBC yet. <laughs> I gave her one. NBC. NBC. I gave not her. Not MSNBC yet. I gave her an extra one, though. You're hearing yeah, that MSNBC? Fine. Put her on TV. <laughs> Lexi, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Continue thank success. you, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Your website should be a marketing asset, not an engineering challenge. Empowering everyone from independent designers to whole marketing teams, Webflow combines the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and places them all in a completely visual canvas. Trusted by companies like Lattice and Discord, it changes the way marketers, designers, and engineers create for the web. Now you can build the site you want without the dev time. Start building for free at webflow.com. All right, my thank yous there to Lexi Rigdon, criminal defense and family law attorney over at Rigdon Lieberman LLC. You've seen her everywhere. Truly, she is everywhere. Go follow her on social media, but you can catch her across Fox, CNN, NBC, CBS News. She did a fantastic job there. You know, again, I will say it again. We talk to people who know what they're talking about. It's real simple. It's the tagline of this show. I am not an attorney. Nick is not an attorney. We're going to bring people on that, you know, are doing this and they understand the legalities around what the former president is facing. So my thank yous to Lexi. You can check out the video portion of my interview with Lexi over on our YouTube channel. Type in Can We Please Talk podcast. We should pop right up. Hit the subscribe button for me while you're there too. audio podcast platforms. You know, by now, Apple, Spotify, Google. Shout out to Good Pods. Everybody listens to us over on Good Pods and shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. Can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program. As always, I am Mike Leon. I'm here by myself. We'll see you next time.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.